Hello everybody, this is the Fat and Weed Podcast, where I'm Daniel. And I'm Russell, and we're getting healthy. Well, it is Tuesday morning, and we are on episode 12 of the Fat and Weed Get Healthy Podcast. And uh, last time we mentioned, we talked, we spent, we did a deep, deep dive on grit. So I just wanted to ask you, how has that discussion helped you through this week? Has, has it come up? You feel like you're, you, you approached um, what we're doing with more grit um, this week? What do you think? Yeah, I've been approaching stuff with more grit in a way of getting up and realizing the thing I don't want to do is a thing I need to do. Because most of the time I'd be like, I just don't want to do that. And the reason I don't want to do that, which we've learned from grit, is because you, you're not good at it yet. Right. Right. And so, we, yeah, we want to do the things that we gravitate towards the path of least resistance. Right. Yeah. But, but you don't get changed that way. That, that's where you get a lake instead of a river. Right. Passive water that kind of just fills the natural boundaries. But change requires that rushing flow that makes its own boundaries by carving a direction. And that's kind of what we need to do. And that's what grit helps us do, especially when we're trying to change from one lifestyle to another. It's not going to happen by having uh, a lake of effort just laying there, um, waiting for something outside of itself to add to its uh, depth and boundaries. It's going to take intentional effort called grit to channel a path to where we want to go. And you feel like you've kind of intentionally done some things this week because of that? Yeah. Mostly with eating because I know I don't like eating perfectly because I like food that tastes better. But it helps me put in perspective perspective of why I'm choosing not to eat healthy food. Right. Or choosing not to eat junk food or whatever you would say. Okay, so it sounds like you're not just allowing habits to happen you're taking kind of control you're spending some time and thought on them and making decisions yeah which is requiring some grit to overcome the natural tendency to just go with the the already established patterns right um so i we did that i was sharing with you earlier that you know usually we'll have a great day of eating breakfast is no problem um, and typically the whole day is not a problem and we have a pretty good dinner. But what I've noticed if I stay up too late after dinner and there's two or three or four hours before going to bed, uh, that's when it gets really dangerous. Uh, because that's when it's like, uh, right before that you go to bed, it's like, Oh, I, I want a dessert. I want a snack. I want something. And, uh, typically in the past we would sabotage ourselves Um, especially your mother and I, because we would enable one another. Yeah. Right. So um, typically one of us would say something like, oh, a sonic blast sounds good right now. And uh, secretly sending the message to the other one that we want them to suggest, well, do you want me to go get it? Yeah. And then we can be passive and be like, oh, I didn't really ask for it. So, you know, and you kind of justify that. Uh, it was them that, you know, they, they went and got it. So I had to eat it type thing. So anyway, uh, last night we had one of those moments and she said, she said, Oh, I'm really craving chocolate right now. And in the past I would have just said, well, just run, run to the gas station. Let me take a second and get me a Mr. Big, uh, Mr. Good bar while you're at it. 
And last night we just kind of focused on what we wanted and then we're like, but we don't really need it. Talked about sabotaging our goals and we ended up just uh, reading a while and going to bed and, and that felt really good to um, know that we overcame that. And that's, that's rare. And so I think it's a step in the right direction. I think a little bit of grit will get, will get us to where we have the motivation to continue on and on and make these new patterns. So that was just, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. Yeah, uh, and I've also noticed that we were making jokes about um, being infatuated with something. Yeah. <laughs> with like our games and stuff. So that, yeah. it was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, because grit requires, um, what, from our discussion last time, that you have to really get infatuated with something and then that pulls in all the elements of, that make up what we call motivation. But if you're just really passive about something or don't care, there's no energy there, you're probably not going to grit through the hard things yeah. to make a new pattern. So, so this week I wanted to kind of build on that. So grit. And uh, so basically what I wanted to talk about today was, was mindset. And uh, particularly, um, I kind of thought about this when I was working with my iPad yesterday. Now for months, I have been complaining about my iPad. Yeah. I have a first generation iPad Pro, 32 gigabytes, you know, so, you know, when you, you know, three or four years ago, when you get something that has 32 gigabytes, you're like, oh, I'm never going to need that many, right? And then, of course, technology grows and you find out that you can't do anything with 32 gigabytes once you start getting involved in doing things. And so I've been sitting at this stupid 28, 29, 30 gigs. Every day it seems like I'm getting the report that um, your iPad is out of memory. Delete this or delete that. And it gives me suggestions of what to delete. And so I've, I've, for months I've been like deleting, uh, going through and making hard choices about different pictures or apps and taking them off and stuff just so I could do something else like listen to a podcast. You know, I could have to delete everything so that the new podcast will download and stuff. So I, but do that forever and ever and ever. And in the back of my mind, I know that, you know, if I would just factory reset, I'd probably be fine. But I don't want to go through all that. You know, I've got to make sure things backed up and then there's still might lose something and then the time it takes. And, and do I even remember my password? I think I do. And so I just kept fighting this thing and fighting this thing. So finally yesterday, I just said, heck with it. I updated my iCloud and I just hit it, and, and it's funny when you go to reset your iPad. It asks you like three times, "Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? You know, if you once you do this, there's no going back, yeah. right?" And so finally, you hit that yes, and it goes, and it comes back, and there was this this file in there just called um, other, I think it is, and uh, it, it had like 22 gigs wrapped up in there. And that dropped to two gigs after the reset. So all that was just temporary files and stuff that just don't delete. You delete something, but a shadow of it remains. And over time, it just builds up and takes all your memory. Yeah. And so I got to thinking, you know, that's kind of how our limiting mindset is. You know, so if I asked you, what is mindset? Off the top of your head, what, what kind of definition would you come up with? Mindset, like growth mindset and stuff like that, where... It's a thing that limits you or propels you into doing something. Okay. 
uh, yeah, so um, I, I kind of did a little research. I've got the definition and then I um, found where some other people on an entrepreneurial site were kind of kicking around ideas of what it is. And some of the things mentioned on there was uh, thought patterns that create your culture or how you see the world or the consensus of your real beliefs, not the beliefs you tell everybody you believe, yeah. but it's the actual beliefs that, that you act on, right? Mm -hmm. um, ha uh, let's see, subconscious thoughts, beliefs, and habits, right? So then I went and looked at the dictionary and it says, a mindset is a way of thinking, all right? In a word, a mental um, inclination or disposition uh, or a frame of mind. It's your collection of thoughts and beliefs that shape your thought habits. And your thought habits affect how you think, what you feel, and what you do. All right. So a simple, simpler definition is the established set of attitudes held by somebody. The established attitudes is your mindset. So, so would your mindset be a personality? Um, no, I don't, not necessarily your personality. Because you said attitude and that's what we contribute to most of our personality. Yeah, I think your personality will kind of, uh, shape or filter your, your thoughts and attitudes held by some. So if you've got a natural happy disposition or personality, you're probably not going to go as negative when you see something. And so your attitudes will probably be different than somebody who's naturally grumpy or naturally a skeptic they're going to think of the negative things and so their their attitudes and stuff will be shaped more by that personality but what we all uh what we all suffer i guess is this accumulation over time of just everything we believe so when we felt we talked about that infatuation right and so if you think about what goes on in the brain there's an old saying that, that neurons that fire together, wire together, right? That's so, cool. Yeah, so, so whenever you think on something, your brain, and I'm not gonna use all the right technical terms, there's synopsis and all these things and neurons and all that stuff, but basically uh, your, your mind creates these threads of focus and memory and strength of knowledge and interest by the more time and energy you focus on something. Right, so when you want you pick up a guitar for the first time, right, you start messing with it for a couple hours or whatever. Um, your mind starts putting together a little bit of threads of learning, but it's really thin. So if you didn't pick it up ever again, that would pretty much just end up fading away like it never did. And if you picked it up, you know, six months later, you would be back to the beginning. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have that saved memory helping you be two hours ahead of the beginner, right? You start from the beginning. However, if you picked it up every single day, you would build this thick thread to where you could start, which is called learning, and you would remember um, the things you did before, so the next time you, you did it, you would be learning and making it stronger, and you would have that. And, and then after a certain amount of time, you would have a thread in your, in your brain um, so thick and strong and the connection so tight that you could quit for six months, come back to it and just pick it up and be like, oh, I still know this because it's still there. It's kind of like they always said, you know, it's like riding a bike. You know, you learn to ride it. Once you learn to ride a bike, 
the synopsis in your brain stuff is so tight and and so and you've done it so many times that you you know come back to it years later get on a bike and it's a little wobbly but you pick it up just like that and, and right. also what's what's crazy about playing guitar since i i play guitar is when you first start um you have to have a mindset that you can do it or you won't do it yeah. because when you start guitar or any instrument you're putting yourself through pain the whole time yeah like with a guitar, your fingers your hurt. Fingers bleeding, yeah. Yeah, fingers can bleed. But my brother played guitar to where his fingers bleed, and I took me three months to actually figure out how to actually strum, because like I could put my fingers in the right place, but at like getting the beat down and strumming and all that kind of stuff took a while to understand, and it's frustrating and it's hard and it's painful, and it's like why am I doing this to just learn how to play an instrument? But through the whole time, you have to think why you're doing it. And like for me, I wanted to play with my brother, so I learned how to play guitar. Right. Yeah, you had a why big enough and uh, uh, an infatuation enough to pull you through that pain, right? Because you, you, you could visualize what the reality would be on the other side of it if you kept going. Right? Yeah. Um, and so what happens is all these different things we do are creating these little threads and we try different things we and then somebody says something and they label us as fat or stupid or whatever and the more times we hear that that grows thicker do we start believing it? it becomes part of our belief system and you have all this stuff so that when you hear a truth like a doctor saying you need to change your diet you're not hearing it as a brand new person without history you're hearing it through all that stuff in your brain and if you have a third like my iPad if you have a 32 gig brain and you're needing to bring in five gigs worth of new information that's going to change your life but there's only two gigs of memory left in your brain because of all the history of this stuff then it's you're going to be fighting this losing battle you're going to be focused on it for a minute but then it's going to go away and then you're going to fall back to old patterns you know just like I click on a app that's supposed to do one thing but because the memory's down or whatever or, or the, the computer's filled with all this stuff it doesn't do what it's supposed to it glitches and all that stuff and that's what we do with our diets and, and our lifestyle changes is we have we do all these glitches and we, we we mess around with that final two gigs trying to find a way to make it work when I, I when I was doing that on my iPad I thought is there a way to do a factory reset on our brain so that there's room for this stuff, yeah, right. I mean, clean out all that other stuff. Now we know um, in uh, you know neuroscience stuff, we know that our brain does this thing that's called pruning, and it's kind of a chemical released um, um, arrow. I don't know how often it happens, but after a period of time, and any unused synopsises floating around in our head from things that we tried and gave up on, it kind of washes that out to kind of. Uh, what you'd call a, a defrag or something you'd talk of a computer so anyway I was like what can that's a passive reset but what is a what is there is there anything we can do intentionally to reset our brain so that when somebody says here here's some broccoli our entire mind isn't filled with all the negative associations we have with that that end up working against our willpower to eat the broccoli Mm -hmm. Right. And we were talking about this the other day when we said, uh, I think I shared something with you and said the secret. How was it? You're, we're not going to change 
until we change our mind about food and exercise to where we get away from this thinking that food is a reward and exercise is a punishment, right? So if we can do a reset and to where food is fuel, exercise is fun, and together we get to do the things that are really rewarding, like live for a long time, like have an active um, lifestyle in our 60s and 70s, to be able to actually go hiking or bike riding or play with our grandchildren and have that as the reward instead of food as the reward. If we can start changing our mindset, then we're not going to automatically mentally reject something because of our history yeah. um, that could help us, right? And so I, I started looking at that and thinking through it and reading some articles and and there are some uh, there's some really technical ones, but I just cho chose one that was kind of just a four-step process, and I thought maybe we would just talk about it a little bit. Um, before that, I wanted to talk. I wanted to share this uh, uh, quote from Socrates. It says, "The secret to change is to focus all your energy, not fighting the old, but on building the new." And I think what happens is, we, like we were talking about grit you got to have that infatuation with something. And a lot of times we're, instead, we're, we're infatuated with the way things are. And so it's almost impossible for that new thing to come in. Because we're totally, we're, 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 like I said, neurons that fire together, wire together, and we're, awesome. we're always supporting the, the, where we're at instead of supporting the new uh, information. And so it's really hard for that new to penetrate. And so instead of focusing on the things that we're giving up and focusing on the things that are going to be painful and build re and continuing that mindset that of not wanting to change, we like Socrates says, the secret of change is to focus all your energy not on what on fighting the old, but on building the new. What if we put that energy and focus on the thing, the lifestyle we're seeking and not the lifestyle we have? Right. Yeah. So are the, are the articles you're reading, are the books you're reading, are the people you're talking to, are the podcasts you're listening to, are the YouTube channels you're listening to, are they building support for where you want to be or are they building so, or are they reinforcing where you already are? Well, I can think of that's, that's kind of what I did when I first lost my weight. Like you were talking about um, building on the truths of, um, or think like, like you build on this truth of how you're... Um, someone that's fat or someone that's someone that's a big kid or whatever and that was the biggest things biggest thing that made me want to lose weight when i was in junior high and i lost 60 70 pounds in about a year and a half that was the biggest thing i said i don't want to have that truth to be my truth anymore and that's one of the things so i set up things to make um working out and eating food fun like playing basketball and then I'd make it accessible by putting something, putting a weight room in the gym, um, not, not my gym, but in the garage. So yeah. I didn't have to worry about anything. And I would just do that. And like, I would, I would wait, I'd, I'd be at school waiting for the moment I could get home and work out. Yeah. Cause it was fun. Yeah. And yeah. And so that supported you. So, but at some point, something stole your focus off that right 
And so once your focus wasn't, and all your energy wasn't on supporting where you want to go, your body did, and your mind did what it naturally does. The, it flows to the, the path of least resistance, right? And old habits were comfortable. Yeah. Right. And so we've got to get to the point where, um, though we stick with something long enough that our mind prunes some of those old things. And if we don't let those neurons fire together, they won't wire together. And when they stay dormant long enough where we're not focusing on them, they get smaller, right? They start to thin out. They lose their control. They go from a chain that's hope binding you to a rope to a thread. And then once it's a thread or smaller, it, it doesn't have a hold on you like it does when it's reinforced into this like logging chain. Yeah. And that's what happens in the beginning is we've got a logging chains attached to our old habits and we're now trying to be pulled away from that with these little threads of new habits. And so we focus when we focus on what we're losing, we're just reinforcing the chains, right? And so the threads never have a chance. But if we can get ourselves to purposely focus our energy and mindset and infatuation on where we're going and not where we're at, we will start building those threads in the chains and our current negative chains will start thinning out to where the pull is greater on the place we want to go. Right. And so um, a couple things. Or here's is, there, is, there, is there a point where threads never get destroyed? Uh, I think there's... Like long-term memory. Or? Yeah, I've I've heard things like um, uh, set points, and if you do like Google uh, set points and weight and stuff, um, there seems to be a mem biological memory that you might get completely away from it, but if you ever go back, you'll gain weight faster than a, a person that's never been fat would gain it eating the same food. It's almost like your body wants to go back. And so you can't ever be be passive because as soon as you allow yourself to get passive, you, those set points will start. It's like they have a gravitational pull almost. Yeah. Right. And so we, I think we need to always at some level be chasing and pursuing um, health. Because if we ever take our mind, our eyes off of it, we're probably going to drift back towards what was whatever our body considered comfortable, right? And I've heard that the the bigger you are and the longer you're fat, you actually uh, um, the fat cells grow. And so when you have ten times more fat cells than you did when you were born or whatever, you all you can do now is make them smaller but you can't make the amount of them go away, right? Yeah. So, so if you had a, I don't know what the numbers really are, but if you had a, a million to begin with, and then they multiplied to 10 million, even 10 million shrunk is going to take up more space than 1 million. So even after the diet, you're always going to have the potential for those to grow again if you, if you lose focus. That's my understanding. Somebody else might know real science behind that but those are things I've read so I would say it I would say it never goes away to the point you can stop worrying about it yeah right so and I think that's the difference between a diet and a lifestyle that's why diets don't work because diets 
the definition of a diet is temporary, right? You're eventually going to stop that diet. And if, it, if you stop the dieting, you're going to, your body's going to just kind of reset those set points and slowly bring you back. And yeah. I think billions of people can testify to that. That's what happens, right? But if you successfully change your mindset from diet to lifestyle, then the new lifestyle becomes the new set point, right? You don't go into it like it's temporary. Um, I kind of relate this back to, you know, during this whole COVID thing, um, people started working from home. And myself included and many people, my coworkers, stuff I've talked to, when it first started, say back in March or early April, when they would set up at home to work from home, they just like threw their laptop on the dining room table and sat in a, a hard dining room chair because they entered this work from home as a temporary thing. Yeah. Right. They didn't have a printer. They didn't have that. They didn't have their dual screens that they had at work. Their comfortable ergonomic chair and all that. They just. But after a while, it's like, okay, this isn't working. My back hurts. I'm not motivated. You know, being here in the dining room with the kids home from school is distracting. I'm not being as productive. And those that kept their mindset that this is temporary never took the time to set themselves up for success. But at some point, I think it was late April, I was like, okay, I think our, our job actually said, you know, gave us the question, if this was permanent, what would you need? And I started thinking of that and go, you know what? I'm going to be a lot more productive if I just have a different mindset about this. this isn't a temporary thing. Even if it ends up being temporary, I'm going to approach it as permanent. I'm going to set myself up for success at home. So I actually created an office and, and got my standing desk and got my nice chair and got my extra monitors and set up so I could be as productive at home as I was there, right? And so, but if it was, we do that with our diet, you know, oh, I can, I don't need to, to change stuff. I don't need to learn anything because this is temporary after I drop a few pounds and I can stop. But it never works. But when we decide, our, I think part of our mindset change is when we decide this is permanent. It's almost like you get, you got to act like you got diagnosed with some allergy that's a severe allergy to everything you were doing. And so it's not like you can just temporarily stop. It's over for you. You know, it's like somebody has an accident and they you know, lost their legs or something. It's not a temporary setback. You know, you, for a temporary time, you, you mourn and you, and you grieve and you, you know, get in denial. And you do all the things and you stop living a little bit and stop wanting to do things. But at some point, if you're going to survive, your mind has to switch over. This is permanent. And if this is permanent, what needs to be true for me to succeed and still have a great life? And then they start building what they, the resources, the team and everything um, and their culture around them to support life in that. And that's yeah. what we got to do with dieting. Yeah, because lifestyle. people have changed the term of dieting to be something to lose weight. But dieting really is like what a weightlifter does right before a contest. They're not going to be in that state after the right. contest. Yeah. All they're doing that for is the contest. Yeah, for the photo shoot, the contest, the whatever it is. Because like they do some crazy, <laughs> crazy well, things. In our podcast name, it's not fat and we get or lose weight. It's fat and we get healthy. And a lot of the things you do to lose weight are the opposite of health. We've heard that from stories that have come out from Biggest Loser, behind the scenes and stuff. 
they, you know, the reason they had doctors on site completely 24-7 is because they were doing some very unhealthy things to make that happen because the goal was weight loss, not health, right? And some of the old trainers even got upset and just kind of quit the show and, and did stuff because they're like, I, you know, as a licensed uh, uh, trainer and stuff, I kind of took an oath to help people and really this is not healthy. People are, are starving themselves, they're binging, they're um, eating way too not enough calories working out way more than the body they should be they're not healing between sets that stuff because it's all about that weekly weight loss so and if and with that's what we do with if you look at the headlines on you know how to lose 10 pounds for your wedding how to how to lose 30 pounds and get in your bikini for 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 summertime how to, it's all these time weight loss goals that don't support a lifetime of health Right, my goal isn't to drop 30 pounds. That would be great. My goal is to be alive when my teenager, when my grandbabies are in their 20s, and to have watched them grow up and go to their graduation, be at their weddings, and play ball with their kids. Right, and it's going to take weight loss to do that. But my mindset isn't about the weight loss. It's on being there 20 or 30 or 40 years from now living a life that's meaningful to myself and those I'm around, still contributing something of value. And that's only going to come from health, not weight loss. Right? Do you agree? Yeah. And it's it's hard to come to that um, rationality that you're done. Yeah. Like, I've tried, I've done that before. Like, I, I love cheesecake, right? And I've got a friend and in Joplin, the cheesecake lady, that her pictures alone just make me want to buy a cheesecake a day. Just give me the cheesecake of the day club, right? <laughs> yeah, um, they're amazing. But you know, I'm 48 years old. I've eaten a lot of cheesecake. If I've if I never eat cheesecake again, I can't really say I'm deprived. I've, I've enjoyed that. I've had that. Um, It's now time to say, okay, I need to change my mind to where uh, broccoli and a beautiful salad and some lean meats cooked right and stuff, that that's what I crave. That that's um, a, a life worth living to look forward to, right? And I can't do that if I'm continually maintaining and strengthening that, that chain of neuronic uh, and synopsis stuff going on in my brain about cheesecake and chocolate. If I'm always thinking about what I'm giving up, I'm just gonna end up strengthening the influence it has on me subconsciously, right? And so what do I need to do? So let, let's, uh, let's get into these four things and we can talk about them. Can we do that? All right, so four things, uh, steps to uh, doing, uh, I guess what I'm calling a factory reset. Um, of our mindsets, okay, um, is number one is to relabel, okay, and uh, so we need to relabel um, the thoughts and the feelings um, or the behaviors that we're having and relabel them to something else. So this, you know, instead of um, it being, well, I'm this, I'm fat, and this is what fat people do, right. Um, Seth Godin in This Is Marketing, he's a marketer and a podcaster and stuff, an author, but he says in marketing and stuff, what we need to realize when we're 
creating ad copy and selling to people and stuff is the, the psychology of people is they want to support who they think they are. So people approach things with people like me do this. And so to change, we have to convince ourselves that we're this other person. So you've heard people say, you know, eat like you're a skinny person, even if you're a big person. And so you change your mindset. Instead of saying, I'm a big person, so I eat at buffets, right? You, you start relabeling that. No, that is a glitch. That is an addiction. That's what I've been calling like my sugars. It's, a, it's an addiction. Uh, I used to make fun of it and tell jokes and keep it light and funny, but I'm starting to relabel those kind of things to, no, that's causing pain. That is poison. That is trying to steal my feet and have them amputated, right? These aren't M&Ms. They're, they're pills that are going to lead to losing feet. You know, you relabel those things, and then you relabel the good stuff. Oh, this isn't a salad I have to eat. This is a gateway to health that I, I look forward to eating, right? You start relabeling things. So you rebuild the, the right synopsis in your brains and connections, and you start pruning the, the ones that have held you for all the years of your life. Yeah. So that's relabeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So you can just say, this is just my brain playing games on me. This is a glitch. This, this is um, the result of, of, of a lot of messed up things and labels and stuff I believe that aren't true. And you relabel things for what they are instead of going, oh, that's just who I am. You ever hear that? Oh, that's just Joe, or that's just Bill, or that's just Mary, and make excuses for it. Um, instead of changing the mindset, no, that's a glitch. That's not who you were born to be. Yeah. Right? And so, who am I? I'm not the 400-pound person that doesn't get out of the house to do anything with feet that are going to be gone in five years. I am that 70-year-old healthy grandfather playing catch with my grandkids and being at their way. That's who I am. And people like me eat this way. People like me go for walks. People like me read these books and watch these TV shows and support and these podcasts, right? And so once I start doing that, I'm going to reinforce that. And I really am going to become that person. But it never if I don't believe it's going to happen. That's what yeah. we talked about with grit. You have to have belief it's kind of like, it can happen. It's kind of like your 2.0. Yeah, we've had that discussion. Yeah, it's Russell 2.0, right? And and uh, when I did coaching, I'd have you write a letter to Russell 2.1 or, in your fact, Daniel 2.1 of uh, thanking him, thanking Daniel 1.0 for the hard work he gave so that you could be 2.0. And then start looking at lives and your goals as if you're already that 2.0 version. Yeah. And if, you, if that's who you are, what do you do now? What does that person do? And then start living that life until it becomes your reality, right? Yeah. So, so what other things come to mind when you think we could relabel, you think? Um, relabeling, working out would be the, one of the biggest ones because exercise can be something that can hinder you to losing weight because all you feel is soreness and it really, it really sucks at the beginning because all, all you feel is like, man, this would be so much easier if I wasn't this fat, or, or you have, um, 
you just have a hard time doing it. It's like push-ups feel like, like you feel, you do like 10 push-ups and you're like, I used to do like 60 to 70 yeah. and you're like 10 push-up doesn't feel like a lot, but it, it is. Yeah. I think you could relabel to the mindset, the things that enter your mind when you're at the gym, like when people look at you, instead of thinking they're judging me and I don't belong here, you relabel that they're inspired by me and I need to come more. I'm, I'm helping them stay on track. They can't keep their eyes off me. You know? <laughs> and, and reframe it to that or you got a higher purpose, right? Don't go hide in the, in the machine that's in the far corner that nobody looks at in the shadows. Go get on the front and center machine and inspire people. I'm here to inspire, right? Instead of I'm here to hide and get out quickly before anybody notices me. Yeah. <laughs> Right? And then you kind of look forward. It's like you've got a purpose. I need to get to the gym. There's people there that count on me. Right? And, and what's funny is you'll find out that that's true. Right now we say it as a joke, but I've ran into that. Where somebody at the gym, I think in our first one or two podcasts, I talked about the 24-hour fit, fitness elite there in Joplin. There was a big old bodybuilding guy that I was so intimidated that when I would come into the gym, I'd be like, oh, he's here. And I wouldn't even want to work out. I'd want to uh, work out on machines where he could see me because I felt so so judged and stuff. And then one day he walked up to me and I was like, oh no. And he told me how much of his inspiration and stuff that he goes, man, you just keep showing up and you're working hard and I see you over here killing it. And it's just so inspiring, man. Rock on, keep going. Let me know if I can help in any way. And I was like, oh my gosh, I created this entire scenario in my mind to support why I shouldn't be here. And it was all a lie, right? And so instead of waiting for that confirmation, let's just make the decision in our brain that, Unless we're confirmed the other way, let's just assume it's positive. Let's assume that they are inspired by us being there and that they're supporting us. Why do we always assume the negative and then, be, why? Because our body sets us up to support our set point. And it's gonna take effort to create a new set point. Right? Yeah. And that starts with relabeling. Um, the next step is to, to reattribute. Is that reattribute or reattribute? I don't know, but anyway, that word. Um, and this is, um, uh, you're asking the question, why did these thoughts um, keep coming back, right? Um, is, you want to talk about, is the answer that your brain is misfiring? Is it stuck in a gear? Is it, uh, are you just creating this mental noise of, of false messages? Um, in other words, if you understand why you're getting those old thoughts, eventually you'll be able to say, oh, that's, that's just a brain glitch. That's, that's not true. That's part of that old system that was holding me back. Those are those old chains that are that I'm trying to shrink that are fighting for their own existence. Um, and, it, and it raises the next natural um, uh, question is what can I do about it? So when you recognize these, these questions, the question of, of I can't do this instead of believing it, you go, okay, this keeps coming back. It's not truly who I am. And here's what I can do about it. So to me, it's almost this reattribute is almost like um, in the Bible, it talks about taking every thought captive, right? So this is that part where um, you just, you don't let anything, any thought, negative thought especially, get by you without capturing it and go, now wait a minute, is that true? Why are you, why am I thinking that? What's the evidence? Is there any evidence that, on the other side that would prove this wrong. 
And why am I believing the evidence that supports it when there's all this evidence out there that supports the other side of it? And then question it and hold accountable and then reattribute. So instead of it now being something that um, uh, sabotages you, now these thoughts are something that you've reattributed a new purpose for. And, and now you capture them and go, you're a liar and you're not going to hold me back. And you just watch this. And now they motivate you because you've reassigned them, right? So you relabel, then you kind of reattribute, you reassign, you question them, you don't let them get by you, you focus on um, using them for a different purpose than they came at you with, right? So it's like uh, um, in old dumb movies that you know would never happen in real life, but where the guy's getting shot at, right? So the bullets coming at him are negative. But he's reattributing their purpose by he holds, he's like got a handcuffs on or chains on. He puts it up in the air and the bullet that was meant to kill him actually breaks his chains and sets him free. And then he's, and so he's turned it into something positive. So that's what we're kind of, these negative thoughts of these bullets that are coming in. It's like, you know, if I can't stop them, I can at least repurpose them. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, the third is to refocus. So, and uh, from what I read, there, people are saying this is probably the toughest part of the work. It's, this is, but this is where behavior will actually start to change, right? This is where you've taken it captive. We've taken it captive, right? But now we have to add behavior to it mm -hmm. to make the change, right? Just agreeing that you need to make a change isn't making the change. Right, we've got to add some new behaviors. We've got to replace the old behavior with new things to do, positive, desirable things, things we enjoy doing, things that we can do consistently every time. Right, and this will change our brain chemistry, it'll create new patterns and new mindset, which is the new mindset leads to that new culture. And in that new culture, you get a new identity. And in that new identity, you say, people like me do this. And since I'm people like me, healthy people who will be able to play ball with their grandkids in their 70s, we live life like this. This is what we eat. This is how much we eat. This is where we go to work out. This is what our workouts look like. This is what our relationships work out. This is the things that we, we read and consume. And these are the things we create. And we live that life out. We refocus it. And create these brand new patterns. So, but if we don't stop and capture them, right? Relabel re it, uh, uh, reattribute its its what its um, purpose is for you. Refocus on your result and what you need to do because of it. And then fourth is to revalue, right? So <laughs> we have to find value. And I think this kind of goes back to belief that we talked about during grit. We have to value what we're uh, trying to become. If, if we get to the point, even if we reach there, like we said, if our value is still back with cheesecake and Netflix binging, it's, it's going to be that thing, the good old days. And it's always going to steal the joy from where we're at. Oh, where we're at is always going to be a discipline. But the fun was back there. And until we revalue, reassign value, you know, so a mindset is uh, the consensus of your attitudes and thoughts, but it's not necessarily the truth. It's your truth that you've 
um, decided on based upon your limited inputs over time. But now it's recreating re different value. But you know what? I've held on to this thing thinking it was valuable, right? When actually this is nothing. This is plastic. The value was in that thing over there I was making fun of. And we revalue. But, you know, the value is, you know, it's not more expensive to buy a salad than a 99-cent cheeseburger because the 99-cent cheeseburger also includes 10 times more doctor visits in my lifetime, and that's expensive. The salad is less doctor visits, more health, and so it's actually the better value. And we do that as we've captured our thoughts and we've repurposed them and we've relabeled them, and now we're revaluing them. And all that put together is gonna to lead to a lifestyle we're chasing being one that's got more gravitational pull and more excitement than what we're leaving. Yeah, so that's why, that's why diets don't work because you're all, the whole time you're on a diet, you're thinking about how you can, you can go back to what you were doing before because you had value, you felt value in what you were doing before. And like, that's, that's hard to change value because it's hard to break what you think was fun or good for you and it's really hard to change the value of something that you've that you don't really like at all yeah and i think we use we use grit when you're on a diet you, you use your grit for the wrong purpose instead of gritting through the change to get to something better you're gritting through the change so you can get back to what you had you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grit through these workouts so that when I hit that magic number that I have in my head of a weight, I can get back to my cheesecake. Instead of using your grit to break through the, the, the uh, emotions and addictions and stuff that have you tied to the cheesecake or the chocolate or the whatever it is, right? The unhealthy habit. You know, so our, we need to use our grit to break the gravitational pull to get where we're going and not the grit to, to temporarily get through the healthy thing so we can get back to the bad habit. Right. So anyway, does that make sense? Yeah, made sense, perfect sense to me. Good. And uh, I want to just share where those where I got those four steps. But does uh, it give any idea of like how you do replace value in something? Um, it's just that whole capturing it, relabeling it. So basically, it's spending purposeful and conscious, right? Our mindset is real is is basically subconscious. It's guiding us when we're not thinking, and so basically, it's taking it out of the subconscious, keeping our thoughts in our in our conscious, so that we can be the master of them and tell them what they are instead of them subconsciously telling us who we are. And so when we do that, over time, our new subconscious will be something that supports us instead of silently trying to pull us back, right? Um, that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's, it, it takes all four of these steps. Um, and I'm sure there's so much more material out there to build on these. I just picked this one because it was uh, easy in four steps and didn't have a lot of um, scientific words and stuff in it but if you're interested in this just just a uh, google 
um, how to do a how to reset your mind or reboot your your mindset or any of those kind of things there's tons of article it's really interesting um, i'm really interested in neuroscience and how the brain works how it supports us i think that's something that we're going to learn more and more about as as things go forward um, our mindset is really key to any kind of change and that's going to make it lasting but this where i got these was actually out of ink um, magazine um, and the, it was the uh, title of it was four scientifically proven steps to breaking even your worst habit um, and so it had these these four by um, author Matthew May so um, if you want to read that article and get the uh, links to other resources uh, definitely check that out um, I'm going to keep digging into this but one of the things I was going to say before it was over when I talk about um, things that wire together or things that fire together wire together um, we need to start listening to purposely listening to things that may not be that interesting to us right now but ask ourselves if I am the person if I was the person I'm seeking to be would that person be interested in these things yeah right if I was completely healthy and and I didn't hurt and my feet didn't hurt and I wasn't 400 pounds and I could do these things, I would probably be interested in um, skiing and mountain climbing and learning how to do things out in the yard and that stuff. So I need to, even why right now it's hard to spend time supporting myself with those kind of blogs and, and books and, and videos and stuff, I need to flood myself with that kind of stuff so it's supporting who I want to be um, and stop listening to some of the things that make it comfortable being who I am, right? We surround ourselves with support systems without even knowing it. We collect people, things, resource stuff that, that help us stay comfortable, that reduce our anxiety. But what we need to do now is get to where our, we are more anxious about being comfortable than we are about change because the change is who we want to be, right? Yeah. Go ahead and finish this out. What do you want to say? What do you want to say after all that? I did a lot of talking this time. I don't know. I think it'd be the hardest thing is trying to figure out how to place a value in something without secretly hating it. Because yeah. I feel like that's the hardest thing that people deal with is they say how much they want to do something and how they want to be this person or whatever. But in the back of the mind, they're usually secretly hating it even though they don't know it's good for them. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. I'm watching a, a, a TV show um, the other day, and one of the characters on the TV show is um, really a, a social justice type person, and he started a business and started making money, and he was having this internal conflict, right, that, oh, no, I'm... I'm making this money, I'm becoming one of those, you know, that's about the money and stuff. And then somebody helped him revalue that and said, you know what, you don't have to choose between helping people and making money because what are you going to do with the money when you make it? Well, I'm going to help more people. Exactly. So if, the, if making money is a negative to you, reframe it, revalue it. That with more, every bit of more money I make, I get to do more of what I love. And so you're not making money, you're helping more people. 
Right. And so when you can revalue, I'm not eating broccoli, I'm getting a step closer to whatever is of value to you, mm -hmm. right? And pretty soon, um, it'll lose that hate. And it's kind of like at the beginning when your fingers hurt, you probably hated practicing the guitar, right? But you got through it because you weren't, uh, the goal wasn't um, to probably learn the guitar, because the goal was what learning the guitar would open up for you, the lifestyle that you visioned if somebody that plays the guitar has this lifestyle that you have value to, right? And so because the value assigned to when I'm a person that knows how to play the guitar, my lifestyle will be that is what you valued. And yeah. then you don't have to worry about, well, I'm never going to value bleeding fingers. Well, don't even think about that. That's not where you've spent the time with the value. Yeah, so I think you have to um, put value in short-term metrics because I don't think you could, because like I, I was playing guitar and learning how to play guitar because I wanted to be part of the worship or worship at church or play with my brother and that was a short-term short-term reward I guess you would say okay. instead of I was learning learning the guitar to become a rock star like right. something that was but the, the closer you got to learning it the more broader the dream got though, right? Like, you know, if I really learned, once you found out you could learn it and you started playing and you were in the band, all of a sudden it opened up other ideas of, you know, bet you we could play it. If we kept practicing, we could play a winter jam, right? And then, you know, if, if, if we ever got to winter jam, that would open the door with it. We could probably play for stadiums. We could, and so it grows from there. Yeah. So you want to keep that value always a little bit ahead of you so you're always pulling towards it. You're always chasing it. Because like I said, once you're done chasing it, um, there is no stagnant. There is no standing still. You'll The gravitational pull of those set points will try to pull you back if you're not intentionally chasing something. right? But you can't just chase. You have to have value in what you're chasing. Or in other words, you'll just get tired and burned out. And you'll just find yourself, I'm going back to what's comfortable. Right? So you've got to, and that's why you can't rely on your subconscious. You gotta rely on your conscious. You gotta be purposeful. You gotta be what we talked about with grit. You gotta be infatuated with something. Right? Yeah, I've always heard this. Most people that um, succeed or never get in trouble are the people that walk with purpose. Because when you're walking with purpose, you don't get in, you don't get trapped or anything because you're on a mission. Well, there's a reason they say idle hands are the devil's playground, right? Now, keep that kid busy or he's going to get in trouble, you know. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that, and there's a lot of truth to that in our dieting. A lot of people fall back on their diets out of boredom because they didn't plan for what to do. Before, they just ate and snacked, and everything was about the next meal, and their whole life evolved around that. But now that they're not, you know, especially if they start intermittent, fasting and eating one meal a day or two meals a day, there's a lot of time in between meals that you used to fill up with thinking about food. So if you're not replacing that with new projects and, and focuses and, and intentional hobbies or something, all you're going to do is sit around and think about the next meal or what you're missing. And while you're thinking about that, you're just building those chains in your brain, reinforcing them on, on that stuff that you eventually want to get back instead of building chains and, and synopsis and, and connections on things that will support you in your new identity. Yeah. So we're almost an hour in. 
So, this has been the Fat and Weak Podcast, and I'm Daniel. And I'm Russell, and you can go to fatweek.com for Daniel's blog and for other ways to connect with us and leave your messages. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash fat dash and dash week, and you can click the, the leave message, and you can record up to one minute of an audio message that, uh, encouraging us, asking us a question, telling us a little bit of your story, whatever. And if we can use it, we will drop that into a future episode and engage with you and your questions. So we'd love to have that happen. So uh, go leave us a five-star review, please. <laughs> um, be kind on, on uh, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, and that would help others um, find it as well. I hope we're creating value. We'd love to have your feedback so we can even get better at creating value for you. Until next time, again, this is the Fat Week Podcast, and we out. See you guys.